Well, the report has been released uh, into that disastrous India trip. Um, and the immediate takeaway is, well, we don't know because they've redacted conveniently a lot of this report. But uh, we do learn that it was, in fact, the prime minister's office that put Jasper Atwal and 423 other names on a last a list of uh, last minute invitations to Trudeau events in both Mumbai and then again two days later in Delhi. We learned that the RCMP knew of his criminal record at least one week before the event, but that the guy who had that info went on vacation before sending it to anybody. And apparently they don't work apparently a second beyond their scheduled time. We also learned that there's no system in place to vet invitees to events that are held by the prime minister's office abroad. And that's in the Trudeau government. That's not necessarily what... uh, Kretchen, Martin, or Harper would do. That's how the Trudeau government does it, which begs the question, you know, how, how is it the prime minister is going abroad and no one is in the loop on vetting and who should be there and who doesn't? Like, who didn't flag anyone in the prime minister's office? We don't know because it's all blacked out. But that means we've got three federal agencies, CSIS, RCMP, and Global Affairs, and zero coordination between any of them. Let's bring in Mercedes Stevenson, who is our Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief, to break down the report and what it says. She joins us now. Mercedes, this uh, report came out late in the day. Not a very attractive report, because if I'm taking the the immediate away from this, it doesn't look like the Prime Minister's office has a whole hell of a lot of control over who goes on these trips and how they get into events. Well, and this particular Prime Minister's office has has chosen that they don't want to have that and. RCMP sources I've talked to say in Canada the event lists are almost never submitted because that will be seen as sort of a little bit weird with the police powers overseeing who's at public events. But when you're in foreign countries, they want to see those guest lists. They know who might be there and who might be a threat. And some of my security sources had told me that the RCMP had repeatedly asked for these guest lists, and they had been told they could not have them by Global Affairs Canada. And that made the officers on the ground really uncomfortable because they felt we're in a foreign country. It is a country where there are terrorist threats, where there are attacks. In fact, the hotel this was held in um, was a hotel where there was a horrific terrorist attack a few years before that. And we really are operating blind. We just have to be looking around without any idea of who these people are. And that's something that was really highlighted. And and the Prime Minister's office had admitted um, some of the officials there to me early on that they didn't send us for vetting because they trusted their MPs. Well, this might be a lesson that perhaps because someone is a member of parliament doesn't mean they know who they're inviting or that they maybe have the judgment on, on who to invite to some of these events. But when it comes to Atwal, and this is interesting, in the report, the committee basically says they don't buy the RCMP and CSIS's line that he wasn't a threat. Uh, And one RCMP officer said to me, you know, these are the senior RCMP testifying. These are not the guys who guard the prime minister. I'd like to know if there was someone who attempted a political assassination in the room with the prime minister when I'm responsible for his security. That would kind of help me to plan. Uh, and the committee says, you know, look, we don't believe that it's as simple as he wasn't a threat. This is a man who was convicted of attempted murder, and this is a man uh, who was charged on more than one occasion with violent assaults. This is someone who we should be aware of. But beyond that, 
you didn't need a classified intelligence system to find out who Jaspal Atwal was. Very well known in the community. Uh, a simple Google search would have told you who this individual was. And in a lot of previous prime minister's offices, there was literally people whose job that was. It wasn't about a security issue. It was about the political embarrassment of being near somebody like that. And so it might just be the intern, but someone was Googling every one of those names, trying to figure out if there might be something in the background that they needed to worry about. So, I mean, the first question that comes to my mind is how the hell do none of the three agencies that are supposed to protect the prime minister abroad? I mean, it doesn't sound like there was any communication between any three. So almost like they're being thrown under the bus. But now what I'm hearing from you is, well, they didn't want it. And so... <laughs> well, the, well, the, the, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, the, the security agencies that, that I've spoken to sources that two of them do feel they're being thrown under the bus because they're saying, look, we're getting blamed. We didn't have the list. We wanted the list. We didn't have the list. But they have some responsibility in the report, too. Uh, it turns out that INSET, which is the integrated national security team that are responsible for all the terrorism and national security files, the INSET team in British Columbia knew that Atwal might be there. And they'd been warned. But the officer who received that information didn't act on it because they were going on their annual leave. Another person didn't act on it when they came back because it was the end of their shift, which is kind of right. raises some interesting questions about the culture that you work in a national security unit and there's no one to gather that information and pass it on urgently. CSIS ended up getting a tip uh, and that drove it up. But you also see the RCMP and CSIS blaming each other in this report. So you see the RCMP saying, well, we passed the information on to CSIS, and CSIS saying, I don't know, we never saw that information. We don't know what you're talking about. You never gave it to us. Um, so there's certainly a lot of people trying to pass the buck here. And then there's a whole chapter of Daniel Jean, who retired a month later, but he was marched out in front of the media, basically um, throwing India under the bus, saying that there were bad actors on the ground trying to embarrass the prime minister. What does the report say about him? So there's not a lot of information about whether or not there actually were rogue elements in the Indian government trying to do this because it's, it's heavily, heavily redacted. Um, and we can't even tell how much is missing because unlike in most reports where they redact it and you can see the black lines, it's just stars. It could be a paragraph missing. It could be 10 paragraphs missing. You can't tell by looking at it, um, which is interesting in and of itself. But it says that on uh, Daniel Jean that he took it upon himself to go out, uh, and it implies he may not have understood the full consequences of his actions, which seems odd, because if you're the national security advisor, that's what you get paid to know, is the full consequences of the actions. Uh, but that they had seen, for example, one thing we can see, information leaked to the media alleging Justin Trudeau was close with Khalistani separatists. That's a very sensitive issue in India. They talk about how concerned they are about that, how concerned they are about the threat that they sent a number of people over to lay the groundwork and reassure them. They don't support Khalistani separatism or terrorism. Um, but you could tell they knew it was an issue. And so it appears that Jean thought he was going to come out and explain all of this to the media and where it may be coming from, and that he believed it was coming from people who were trying to create a false narrative. Um, but you also see him a little bit getting thrown under the bus on this, like, oh, we had no idea he was going out there to do this. Um, we don't know if that's the case or not, and the committee kind of raises some questions about that, uh, but they certainly uh, say that everything they're being given information-wise lays the blame for Jean's decision to go talk to the media uh, squarely on his shoulders and how highly unusual it was yeah. that a national security advisor, and let me tell you, I've never had one talk to us sure. before. They they avoid us like the plague in Ottawa. <laughs> I've only got about 40 more seconds, but where does this report go now? Where does this story go now? Is this, 
you know, another dark stain on the prime minister's office or have they managed to throw enough people under the bus to uh, essentially get rid of it? Well, I think part of the question will be, do they change their security protocols? Because that's one of the things that the report recommends, is that they should be checking who's coming to these events. Uh, and are they going to consider that? And also, you know, does Daniel Jean or someone else come out and contradict them and say, this isn't true, like my security sources were doing, saying this mm-hmm. is not the case? Um, it, what, the problem for them, the biggest problem politically, is simply that it raises the India trip at all. Yeah. Uh, the rest is irrelevant. But the fact that it's been raised is bad for them politically. Stay tuned. All right, Mercedes, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. That is Mercedes Stevenson joining us, and uh, we'll read through that report, see if there's anything else to be dug up on that one. But, man, oh, man. Not a good look. I'm Alex Pearson. This is On Point here on Global News Radio.